I'm Austin Meek with Waco Business News, and you're listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco business. My guest today is Ross Harris, owner of the Bear Mountain and Waco Paddle Company. We talk about his outdoor-oriented businesses, his favorite natural spots in Central Texas, and the impact of the Plan Commission on the way that the city of Waco looks. But first, joining me in studio is our downtown reporter, Debbie Wright. Glad to have you back. We are celebrating Father's Day this month, of course. What are some downtown retailers doing to draw in dads? Yes, of course. There's so much fun stuff going on in downtown Waco this weekend for Father's Day. At Hawaiian Falls, dads get in free this weekend. So if you're a dad, head over there. You can get in free on Saturday and Sunday. So that's fun for the whole family. Not only that, but Dichotomy Coffee and Spirits will be hosting Spirits and Cigars. That's in partnership with Honeycomb Cigars, which will be the perfect event for fathers. If you haven't seen Honeycomb Cigars, it's on Bosky as you're headed toward the Wooded Acres HEB. It's right next to Four Keeps Coffee. And our buddy over at Hellberg Barbecue, Phil Hellberg, he swears by these honeycomb cigars. <laughs> he loves puffing on one while he's smoking briskets. So Ooh. honeycomb, I'm gra- glad they're going to get to be a dichotomy. Yes, and not only that, but it's also Juneteenth Family Fun Weekend. So there will be a parade happening this Saturday. Um, people can go and check that out. And then not only is there going to be a parade, but there will also be family-friendly activities, local vendors, and unmatched musical performances in Brazos Park East during the rest of the day. So the parade is at Bloodstone Miller Community Center, and I guess they're heading toward Brazos Park East. Mm-hmm. Is that the idea? Yep. It's going to be held in Heritage Square um, in downtown Waco starting at 10 a.m. And then the route will go over to Brazos Park East where the celebration will be for free for the rest of the day. Well, if you do want to get out, walk around with Dad, the east side is always a way to do it. Well, speaking of east side Waco, Saturday is also the eighth weekend of the 10th Levitt program or the 10-week Levitt program um, that is going to be happening in the um, Bridge Street Plaza. So you can head over there. They're going to be doing live music. Um, They have the Sanger Height Blues um, featuring um, live music by the Central Texas Jazz Society, um, along with other people, including Dr. Tyra Lindsay Warren um, and so much more. So, of course, you can head over there for the concert as well. This Saturday night concert series at the Bridge Street Plaza, have you been to it before? It's incredible. It is absolutely fantastic. And every time they have local art, music, vendors, and so much more. This is a really fun grant that the City of Waco and Creative Waco was awarded through the Levitt AMP Foundation. So I think Waco is one of maybe 25 or 30 communities Mm -hmm. across the country that was awarded this. So very grateful to get all that live music on the east side. If people want to stay up to date with what's happening in downtown Waco, especially this weekend, how can they find you on Instagram? You can follow me everywhere at no Waco. That's K-N-O-W underscore Waco. You can also find me on the web at NoWaco.com. Debbie Wright is bringing us the word on the street for the month of June. Thank you so much, Debbie. Yes, thank you. Risky business. I'm CJ Jackson, and this is the Business Review. After serving in the Army Corps of Engineers, Carrie McNair, principal at Jampson Consulting, spent his career in supply chain management, working with companies such as Walmart, Target, and Procter & Gamble. McNair provides insight into what happens when disruption hits the supply chain. My area of supply chain is consumer packaged goods, stuff you buy in the store, stuff that comes to your house. Supply chain has always been about planning and risk. And you try to get the best performance. So what the pandemic did, it just introduced a lot more risk. And it caused us 
supply chain folks to do the same things that we were doing, but just to kind of think about risks that we probably didn't have to plan for before or as much. Emory University did a study that said when there's something that's out of stock, when you go to the store, there's only five things that you'll do. You'll either not buy anything or you'll buy a different brand or you'll buy a different item or you'll go to a different store and get what you're looking for or you'll come back another day. So in two of those five cases, like my company would lose a sale. In two of those five cases, that retailer would lose a sale. When risks are high, McNair says supply chains take certain measures to ensure continuity of supply. So being out of stock is so significant. We try to minimize the times we're out of stock. When risk is high, then you can be in stock easier if you have fewer different variations. Another thing is um, collaboration. You're always getting something from somebody, sourcing ingredients or packaging or something. And, and the last one is, and the most important one during the pandemic is contingency. What do we do if this happens? The Business Review is a production of Livingston and McKay and the Handcammer School of Business at Baylor University. The Business Review can be heard Thursdays on Morning Edition and All Things Considered on KWBU Waco Public Radio. I'm now joined in studio by Ross Harris. Ross is the owner of the Bear Mountain and Waco Paddle Company and also on the City of Waco Plan Commission. Welcome to Downtown Depot. Thanks, Austin. What's your history in this area? Yeah, so I, uh, like many, came to Waco through Baylor. Um, I was about 20 years ago, more or less. Um, I grew up in the Houston area, came up here for uh, for school, and ended up sticking around. Met my wife, uh, Baylor. She's from Austin originally. And um, we got married, uh, spent about a year uh, overseas doing kind of an outdoor um, adventure ministry out there, and then came back, uh, spent about two and a half years at Truett Seminary, um, before getting into kind of the small business world. And, uh, yeah, we've been here ever since. All, all three kids born here. And, uh, yeah, so this is this is home. Was there someone growing up who helped push you outdoors, who was sort of your mentor? Or can you think of memorable family trips that you experienced that made me think, gosh, nature is something that I really want to spend time in and eventually I might even be able to work in? Th- that person, I would say, if I had to pick one, was – uh, was my father. We, growing up, hunting and fishing were like the big outdoor activities that we took part in. Uh, a lot of that took place uh, on the Gulf Coast. We lived in Houston, so we were really close to the Galveston area. But then my uh, my mother's parents lived in Corpus Christi on, uh, really on North Padre Island on the canal system. And so we would always fish when we were down there visiting them. Um, we spent a lot of time in the hill country uh, as well. And so the, the activities that took us into the outdoors were that hunting and fishing, but I really kind of walked away from childhood with just a deep affinity for the outdoors in, in all the ways you can engage with it. Because when we weren't in those activities, we would just go off and traipse around outside. So, Was scouting something you were involved in? I, I was. I, um, I made it through. I did not complete my, uh, you know, through the Eagle process, but I, I did Cub Scouts and then I spent a few years in Boy Scouts. My my brother was the one who made it to his eagle. I distinctly remember uh, many trips to Enchanted Rock where we would, you know, camp and then, you know, the parents would sit around a campfire and then just let everyone go off during the, the day and night. I think when I first met you, you were working with a bike company. Mm-hmm. You were always sort of involved in this outdoor space. 
then you picked up this Wake Up Paddle company, and yep. I got to meet you and meet your wife. We got to serve together on the City of Waco board for the Parks and Recreation yeah. Department. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about Wake Up Paddle specifically. Yeah. What has owning that business been like for you? It's been fun. It's uh, I will say uh, Wake Up Paddle, I, I joke, has taught me what it may mean to be a farmer um, because uh, we are so weather dependent, and you you put in a lot of – energy at the beginning of a season. You know, you you, uh, you hire staff, you train the staff, you purchase the equipment you need for that. And then if the rain, you know, if you get too much rain, well, that might be problematic or it's too hot, you know. So you have this like variable of weather that you have to deal with. But um, yeah, Waco Paddle Company was our first real step into, you know, dipping our toes into owning uh, owning a business. And, and we have really had a passion for um, and enjoy just helping to facilitate experiences outdoors for people. And Waco Paddle Company is uh, one of those, um, one way that we can facilitate a, like an easily digestible outdoor experience for folks, um, for a lot of folks that didn't grow up in the outdoors, both for, for, you know, people who are new to the outdoors, as well as for people who haven't had family members or friends helping to, you know, push them into and facilitate um, getting them into the outdoors. So, If one were driving downtown at the intersection of Franklin and University Parks is where the Waco Paddle Company food truck, yep, ex-food yep. truck, whatever <laughs> that vehicle is, that's, that's where it's parked. And so people can go there. That's where you can rent paddle boards or kayaks and get on the river and be scooting around. Is there a difference in the business now versus when you started it in the ways that you're marketing? Like, is this a business that is marketed to tourists as something to come do and experience Waco? Or are you seeing more and more local people want to get out on the water? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. We have always oriented ourselves or attempted to orient ourselves towards the local community. Uh, you know, obviously with the tourism that, that has occurred downtown, we've benefited from that. But, but our goal has really always been to market ourselves to Wacoans. You know, I, we haven't fundamentally changed how we we market um, all of our, you know, special events and um, programs that we've done have occurred with with a Waco in mind. So if you're here for Fourth of July and you're going downtown for the city's fireworks festival and you want to rent a kayak, that's really who we're gearing it towards. We haven't been able to do it the last couple, but in past years we've done like paddle camps for kids, and that's squarely aimed at at people who live here. And so, um, yeah, our, our goal is, is really to uh, serve the Waco community. And then, great, if you're visiting Waco and you want to learn more about it and just partake in the fun stuff we have to do here, wonderful. We'd love to invite you. But, but we've always kind of internally viewed ourselves as serving the local community. I'm sure many Wacoans are begging for an excuse to get underwater and <laughs> stay out of the heat in some way. If people wanted to rent something from you mm -hmm. guys, are there boats for different ages? Is it just paddle boards? What's yep. the process? Yeah, so we have we have essentially four different kinds of watercraft. We have stand-up paddle boards, as you mentioned, and and if you're looking to get wet in these hot, uh, hot days, those are the best because uh, it's really easy to just slip into the water and slip back on. It's a lot, lot more difficult on, on kayaks. But on the kayak front, we have essentially three different types of kayaks. We have single-seat kayaks and double-seat kayaks. Um, those are both more kind of recreational, and that's what we send out with uh, the average person who's going to rent with us. And then 
we do have a small selection of more fishing specific kayaks that uh, if people uh, really know that's what they want to do, um, that's an option that they can rent as well. And we, we do, I'm reticent to mention it, we do have some canoes, uh, which are great if you have a, a, you know, a little bit bigger family. Um, we do always caution folks that they're a little more top-heavy, tipsy than the, uh, than the kayaks are. So, you know, use at your own risk. I was able to speak with David and Mike from Waco Surf. Mm-hmm. They were saying that the appetite for people in Central Texas to get outdoors and activate some of these resources that we have here seems to be growing. Do you sense that the appetite for outdoor activities in Central Texas is growing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, one of the one of the great things about Waco and Central Texas in general is it is relatively easy to access those green spaces and outdoor spaces. Between the river systems we have and uh, the park systems, Cameron Park being sort of the, the crown jewel of that, the relatively rural road networks and things like that that we have for cycling, um, there are a, a lot of opportunities for pretty easily access, accessing those. And, um, you know, I think especially since COVID, COVID opened the door for a lot of folks to like dip their toe into activities maybe they hadn't done before. And so, yeah, especially since since that, we've seen a lot more people getting getting outside and wanting to engage and, and sort of, yeah, having the opportunity to do so. I hear Waco talked about as a, a truly unique environment for cycling. So and when you mentioned these really nice long country roads that are only 15 or 20 minutes outside of Waco for crew, for rowing, the Waco Rowing Company, yep. they've really started making a dent. And apparently the waters that are here on the Brazos and they recently did an event at Trading House Lake, mm-hmm. perfect for what these crew teams are looking for. Mountain biking in Cameron Park, of course, is a big one. And I know that's a, a sport that the Bear Mountain, your retail business, is intimately involved with. Yeah, absolutely. Just those examples you're talking about, you know, are are both our paved roads and our gravel unpaved roads are unique uh, in terms of how easily you can access it. Um, So there's tons of riding that takes place in and around town on those kind of uh, those kind of roads. Um, Just north out of Heiko, there's a a huge event called Gravel Locos. It's a gravel ride, as it sounds like. And uh, uh, that takes place around here. Uh, Yeah, Matt and Waco Rowing Center have been I think bringing to light how unique that river is, for, especially from a rowing standpoint. Um, and then, yeah, Cameron Park is Cameron. When I came to Baylor, um, I I bought a mountain bike and then basically proceeded to spend the next four years, six days a week, out at Cameron Park. I mean, from a um, from a proximity standpoint and from a trail quality standpoint, Cameron Park is. Um, really in a league of its own. And we, we travel around the country for various like industry shows. And, um, you know, we talk to people from lots of different regions of the country that have, you know, happened to come through Waco and ride maybe one time. And like, it's made an impression on them. They come away and they're like, oh, you're from Waco that has Cameron Park. It's, it's an incredible trail system. So uh, yeah, through, through the, through Bear Mountain and the bike shop, we, um, do a lot of stuff out there with mountain biking. We had a mountain bike race a couple uh, months ago that we hosted that's part of a regional um, uh, race series here in Texas. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it really is unique, especially unique in sort of the, the location of kind of that Texas triangle. 
you're hearing from Ross Harris, a business person in the outdoor retail and activities space. The Bear Mountain was and still is really the gold standard of outdoor retail here in Waco, an independently owned business that started before you. Mm What was that due diligence process like, and and how did you think, hey, so besides the benefit of getting to wear cool Patagonia gear all the time, <laughs> why do I want to actually have this as a business? Yeah, and so um, we, I had spent some time, like you mentioned at, at the beginning, I had spent some time in sort of the outdoor and uh, bike industry retail, um, and so had a familiarity with, um, with the business and, and what uh, it looked like operationally and um, in terms of serving customers. And so we had um, we had been running Waco Paddle Company solo for about a year and we're looking to uh, essentially add something to our plate. And um, the prior owner um, who had founded it in 2007 was looking to, um, you know, move on to something else. He'd been doing it for a while and just was, was ready for a change. And so, uh, yeah, we went into it and we – um, to some degree, there was a known quantity or a known um, factor of how the, what what the day to day operations looked like, and so um, then it was just to some degree the same process of evaluating any other business that you might be that you might be acquiring of just wanting to make sure okay things you know look good internally. It seems like customers are being well taken care of. Um, that there's something that we can you know take and. Uh, especially with a, a business that's been around a while, honor the history that it's had, um, and then hopefully move it towards having a a new and growing future um, and serving, uh, again, serving the, the local customer base for sure. What were the changes that you were forced to make during COVID that have stuck around now that things have largely gone back to normal? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for us, we had a very short time at the very beginning where we um, you know, so so the Bear Mountain is essentially half a bike shop, half an outdoor store. And for those initial weeks of the pandemic, our outdoor store was was not able to operate, but the bike shop was deemed, you know, an essential business. And so, so that was just. And can a, you just like wheel merchandise from one side <laughs> and put it over in the bike shop? Was it as as easy as that? We we tried to um, we tried to honor the spirit of the rule. So um, you know, if somebody came in and they were you know doing something in relation to the bike shop, uh, but they needed something over there that they knew, we would of course go grab it for them. But we really did try to honor what the city was trying to do of you know lessening and like lessening contact and things like that. And obviously, especially at that point, um, there was a ton of question marks about. What is COVID? What does it mean? And so there was, there was a level at which we, uh, yeah, we just wanted to be good community members and partners in, in doing that. But yeah, um, you know, when that started, really we had, a, I, I think, a unique COVID experience in that we did start doing some curbside and some uh, nominal online sales. But for us, um, we got very busy very quickly because one of the things about our businesses is they help facilitate people go outside. We, of course, sell things, but all of the things we sell have an outdoor application as their end use. And so um, when all the various businesses um, got shut down that, um, you know, are quote unquote indoors of gyms and movie theaters and all that, um, 
all that sort of type of business, um, people needed alternatives. And so um, our bike shop and then once it was allowed to reopen, our outdoor shop was uh, really busy with people just looking to find things that uh, help them to get outside. And so um, that, that could have been a new bicycle, but it could have been, hey, I've never had a decent pair of running or hiking shoes. Um, and I, I've been spending the last four weeks out at Cameron Park because I can't go to my gym. I can't go, you know, to work. And so um, I'd say we had to do less um, maybe adjustments to our business model the way, say, I imagine a restaurant might have. Um, and really it was, okay, how do we – how do we serve well all of these folks in this like very intense demand climate and things like that? Was there something that you learned from that COVID period that stands out to you or still has remained in the business today? I would say I think COVID honestly gave us a chance to just attempt to fulfill our goals more broadly. We have a passion, you know, whether it be in our outdoor or bike shop, we serve everybody. Like whether you're a beginner or a, um, you know, extremely experienced veteran uh, cyclist or out- outdoorsman, like we, we serve all those people. But we really have a passion for getting uh, beginners into and involved in the outdoors. And so it gave us the opportunity to really double down on that and to be a good resource for people because there was a lot of new people that were now able to try it but had not had that opportunity previously both from like a time standpoint and from a knowledge base standpoint and so one of the one of the things that was more difficult than that was we we try to facilitate events and experiences for folks to help them get outside and so we kind of had to put a, a pause on that throughout the early part of the pandemic. And so we really felt, a, a, I, get the, I think, a loss in terms of not being able to do those things. And so, you know, maybe one of the takeaways was just like we, we really do have a passion for doing that. And so that's been something that we have as we've come out of the pandemic and as bandwidth has allowed, we have attempted to roll back out the, the trips and the events, um, clinics, things like that, that help to impart knowledge and opportunity to folks to get outside. I'm not asking you to broadcast your favorite super secret fishing hole, (laughs) but if you and your family are going to try out and go do some nature stuff in the central Texas area, what are some hotspots, places that you like that you might suggest for other listeners? I would love to say I have super secret uh, (laughs) locations, but I'm like like most of us. You know, we we live here in the center of town, and so we spend a lot of time at Cameron Park. Um, We... Uh, my son and I, he's hes getting old enough to where we can mountain bike together. And so if you have kids that are interested in mountain biking, um, Woodway Park uh, is actually a really great location for that because the trail system, it's not as difficult. And so it's better suited for a beginner. And so he and I can go out and ride there. But then, yeah, there's, you know, you have Mother Neff State Park and Meridian State Park that are very close that are great. My, my kids this weekend just went out with my um, with my in-laws and their camper and they rode bikes and hiked around Mother Neff for the weekend. And so the very first state of Texas park, Mother Neff. Really? I, did, I actually did not know that. Pat Neff, uh, former president of Baylor. Yeah. That was he was the governor of Texas. And Pat Neff is who started the Texas Parks and Wildlife uh, State Park Program. Yeah. And that was family land in the Neff family that he donated to the state of Texas. That's why it's called Mother Neff State Park. That's a that's a great factoid to know for sure. 
have you ever been over to Tonkawa Falls mm-hmm. in Crawford? Yep. Man, that to me is quintessential Central Texas nature. Yep. You got those limestone cliffs, maybe mm-hmm. at top out 18, 20 feet or so. The last few times I've been there, the water's been so low that the park has been closed. So check before you drive out there. But getting a little bit of Hellberg barbecue and mm-hmm. taking that to Tonkawa Falls and oh, yeah. jumping in. It, that, to me, feels like what Texas is. Yeah. There's not ramps telling you and, you know, big <laughs> danger signs. It's like, hey, either either people have been jumping in this pond for centuries. I don't know how long. 100%. 100% uh, yeah. You can figure it out if you want. So that's a really special Central Texas place. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to focus, as we are wrapping up here, Ross, on some of your civil service that you do. You are on the plan commission for the city of Waco. You're in your fifth year of that. So... First off, thank you for your service. Secondly, what are some of the different commissions that you've been on, and specifically with the plan commission, what have you guys been able to impact or address in the Waco area? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the two city boards or commissions I've been on are are the parks board that we were on uh, together and then have spent, took about a year, year and a half break, and then joined the plan commission. Plan commission meets on a monthly basis, um, and so it's a reasonable time commitment. When everything from Plats for new developments come through, requests for zoning changes, um, requests for special permits, one of the most common being uh, short-term rental um, special permits come through. We are an appointed board appointed by uh, council and the mayor who, you know, essentially reviews that and uh, issues a recommendation to city council as to whether or not those should be approved or denied or edited or something to that effect. And so most of the stuff that we have done, I would say, is navigating those uh, short-term rental special permits. As you can imagine, that you know can, can be very popular for some folks, but some folks don't necessarily want one next to them. And so it's that balancing of, of how do you balance the neighbor's interests in that situation with with the needs of the city and with the, the property owner who's requesting the permit. We've done some work in terms of uh, looking at the the city's master plan, we've we had a capital improvements commission that we were a part of with the development community, where we looked at uh, impact fees to help cover the cost of infrastructure improvements for or infra- infrastructure instruction for new developments that go on in the city, and so it it covers a myriad of things. But I think it's a really valuable thing to be a part of because you get to uh, you know you get to have your hand in in seeing how your city grows and works. And we get to have uh, great relationships with city staff who are passionate about their jobs and about the city growing and how it grows. And so, yeah. Yeah. If you've ever wondered, how did this building get on this corner or why or am I forced to have paint that looks like this or I can't just put a trailer on my lot? Those are all issues that come down to zoning. And those are plans that the developer would have submitted to the city and Ross is on that team that is able to review those and then, of course, make recommendations to the city council. Ultimately, it is their decision. But I appreciate you being on that board and helping literally shape the way that Waco looks and feels as someone who lives here. So thank you for your service on that board. Thank you for your commitment to outdoors and conservationism and teaching these really important natural skills to people in Central Texas. What is the best way for people to keep up with your businesses? Probably the best way is uh, follow us on on the usual social medias. And so Facebook and Instagram, we're Waco Paddle Company, we're the Bear Mountain, Bear Mountain Bike Shop. And then we obviously have our websites that you can can visit as well. But um, yeah, stop on in. We'd love to, to talk and help you out how we can. 
Ross Harris, owner of the Bear Mountain Waco Paddle Company and also on the plan commission for the city of Waco. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks, Austin. Thanks again to Debbie Wright of No Waco, that's K-N-O-W No, and to Ross Harris of the Bear Mountain and Waco Paddle Company, and you for tuning in to episode 152 of Downtown Depot here on Waco Public Radio. You can find me in between episodes at Waco Business News on Facebook and Instagram, and join me back here on the first Friday of July for another inspiring conversation with the small business owners, civic leaders, and engaged citizens sparking Waco's revitalization. I'm Austin Meek, and you've been listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco business. (laughs) 